Hi, I'm Ryan the Pasty Player. I'm Ben the What Page Is That On? Player. I'm Helen the Surprise Round Player. I'm Miranda the Oh, I'm sorry, you go ahead, Player. And I'm Jared the Unusually Prepared Game Master. Together, we are the Starting Equipment Podcast. As you can probably tell from our intro, we're doing something a little bit different today. Tonight, we will be doing a session zero for our first ever Let's Play, which we will be doing next week. We're going to be playing, you guessed it, unsurprisingly, our true calling, Blades in the Dark. Normally, we wouldn't do a session zero for a one-shot, but we wanted to show you all how we do one. So we will be preparing and going through tonight's one-shot as though it was a whole campaign, just so you all can see how we do things. Also, Blades in the Dark is a ton of fun to create a character in. Yeah, it's going to be really great. I really want us to do a full campaign at some point, but for now, here we are. So there are two major ways to approach session zeros. There's a let's get this done quick, let's be as business as we can and be fairly formal about it. And then there's a let's joke around and have a lot of fun, let's keep it more casual. This group definitely normally falls in the informal camp and... Our session zeros are totally a, we mess around and have fun while communicating the information that we need to. But to convey information more carefully, I'm going to try and keep us at least a little bit more towards the formal end of the spectrum. Rain us in as best as you can, Jared. Yeah, hurting cats, hurting cats. <laughs> Godspeed. So the first thing to take on anytime you're sitting down with a new group of players is the idea of lines and veils. And we talked about this in the how to do a session zero episode, but we're going to do it right here. A line is a hard line. This will not come up in our game. This is not something we're going to do or discuss. And a veil is something that like, I'm okay with being a part of the world, but I want it to happen behind the veil off screen. It's not something we're going to actively role play. The reason we do this is to make sure that everybody is comfortable with how we are playing and the story we are, story we are telling. Talking about it ahead of time has the biggest advantage of like, no one has to bring it up when they already feel uncomfortable. It's just out there before we do it. A lot of times I have seen GMs not share their lines or veils and I've made that mistake before. And I think the reasoning being is because the GM can just make sure it doesn't show up in the plot. And if a character brings it up in their role-playing, they can quickly push it back into a closet. But I think that this is a mistake for a number of reasons. I think that we want to be open with our players about how we're feeling. I think we want our players to not feel railroaded. And if they bring up something they think is cool, and I'm like, we're not going to do that, skipping back to plot, right? That feels not great. This goes back to any sort of communication, any sort of club environment, whether it's a business or whatever, whether it's written or not, having a contract is always handy so you can refer back to the to the wordage. Yeah, and I think it's most important in, this makes me super lame, but I think it's most important in social situations. Oh yeah. Right? So that we all can spend our time having fun. Like I would much rather spend five minutes in a session zero doing our lines and veils than have it be drama in session 10 when it comes up. For instance, I like Brian, Helen, and Miranda. I don't want to offend them. So if I say something and they go real quiet or something, then we're both going to feel bad. I understand why I've done that. I might still feel bad, but like I know what the correction is. And it's easier to move on. Exactly. 
we've been playing together for five years, but we all should still continue to check in with each other in this way when we play new games and start new games. You may be in a position with your group, you don't feel the need to do that, but maybe do it anyway. Like, even if you think you know everybody's things, maybe just go ahead and list them out anyway, just so you can refresh it, update it. That is an and excellent keep, And not point. take yeah. anything for granted just because you've known these people for a long time. Even just for yourself to have a check-in every now and then about what you are and are not comfortable with in game is extremely important just so you can feel out where you are in terms of what you want to explore and play and what things you'd rather not touch right now. And I think we do it a little faster now that we've all been playing together for five years than we would the first time around. You know, it's more of a, hey, just a reminder, here are my lines and veils. Has anything changed for anybody? And that's sort of how we do it now. Whereas the first time we were like, let's set up our whole system. But now we know our system, right? If somebody feels uncomfortable, you put up the little hand in Discord and I will private message you and let you like, and be like, hey, what made you uncomfortable and how can I fix it? Or how can I make sure that it doesn't continue? But like, that's not a thing we need to explicitly state because that's been our system for five years now. I also think it's really important to mention to not be ashamed of your veils, especially. Or your lines, of course, but usually lines are going to be more obvious to avoid. But like veils, for one, for a long time, I felt bad that I didn't really want there to be sex in in like the RPGs I was playing. Not, um, I didn't want them. I wanted it to be a veil, um, but you do, you don't want it to be on screen. Exactly. But as I've grown older and more comfortable with it, I've had that realization that keeps coming up every few years that hey, we're doing this for fun. If someone wants that type of game, they are more than welcome to it. Um, they, you know, I just probably wouldn't be part of that group. So that brings me to my veils. I don't really have a hard line. My veils are sex. The bender said, I don't want that on screen. I don't want like, wait, I do not want fantasy sex to be a thing we are describing to each other. That's not where I want to be. And I, as the GM, don't want to have to flirt with a character. That also feels weird. If a character wants to, like, flirt with an NPC off screen and be like, hey, I try to woo so-and-so, great. That doesn't bother me. But, like, a lot of you people are my dear friends I've known for 20 years, and I don't want to awkwardly flirt with you during (laughs) game. That's not fun (laughs) with me. Miranda, what's up? One very firm line is uh, sexual assault. And then my veils are similar. The sex... It don't really flirtation I'm okay with, but sex is a veil for sure. Ben, do you have any others other than what just got mentioned? I, I don't, but I do just want to take the opportunity to just say these do evolve too. Even for us as we've been playing, like Helen said, you know, check in, but also check in with yourself. I might just not be thinking of something now. And later on, I would message Jared and go, oops. Yeah. It's no big deal. As a GM, you should certainly be aware and ready for that. Right? Like, if somebody changes it, you shouldn't be like, well, this isn't what you said six months ago, blah, 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 blah. You should be like, of course. Like, you signed a contract. That's, yeah, that's not what we're doing here. Um, <laughs> and, and I will segue off of that that you also should not feel the need to explain yourself when you say a line or a veil. You do not have to explain yourself at any time. Like, if you want to expand on something to provide more information to support, you know, maybe a wider range of, of the line or the veil, or like, if you want to add nuance, that is up to you. But you do not have to explain why you do not want to see X or Y in a game or why it makes you feel uncomfortable. That is absolutely true. You have to justify your decision. That is absolutely true. End sentence. 
But I also, because I'm a horrifically socially awkward person, I want to say the other caveat, which is if explaining yourself will make you feel better about saying your, your veil, feel free to do it, right? Like... I explained right here why flirtation makes me uncomfortable because like it seems like such a little thing and I want to make sure that everyone knows why it's awkward for me. And that's my choice. And so... Yeah, you, you give the information that ma- makes you feel the most comfortable and will also lead to the GM and the other players having the best understanding of what that pain point is for you. So Helen, what are yours? I will, I will say I generally like to have children in scenes of peril be a veil. Um, I, I don't want to dwell on it. I don't really like it being part of active plot. Yeah, totally. Ryan, what about you? Uh, everything's already been covered for me. Great. So we're going to move right on to after we make sure that everyone is comfortable and, and knows what each other's pain points are going to be. The next thing that I like to do in session zero is to talk about both the world we are going to be playing in, if it's a setting my players don't know, and also what this particular campaign is going to be about. Because it really sucks if you're like, haha, I want to build the character that deals with spirits. And then we're like, well, our campaign doesn't really involve spirits, right? So it's really important to set expectations so that we can sort of set up that contract of, The player's character sheets is them telling me what they want to do, and this is me telling them what I expect us to do. And if those things don't align, we should negotiate that now in session zero instead of in session seven when someone is sad. I'm not going to do a big description of the world we are playing in because we just did a three-part episode on that that came out recently. So please... Look at our recent Blades episodes. We'll link the show number in the comments section. Or buy the book. Or buy the Blades in the Dark book. It's a great book. You should buy it. Support this company. You do both. They don't it's pay a great us, read. but I love them. So I'm not going to go into description of the whole world. We already did that for a while. But what our air quotes campaign that we're only going to be doing a one shot for, but what it would be if it was a whole campaign. Your crew is located in the Crow's Foot District. The titular and most powerful crew in the area has just shattered. The crows have splintered into half a dozen smaller, weaker gangs. This has left a major power vacuum in the area that many seek to fill. Your crew is one of these splinter gangs. The crows themselves still exist in name, but they are sick and weak. The crows' last major job was a disaster and led to their leader being killed. The crew was definitely betrayed. The police knew they were coming. All of his lieutenants blame each other, and that's what led to the split. Your crew is brand new and has a very, very little reputation, very little territory, and the crows, (laughs) get it, are circling. And worse, many of the groups circling you are filled with your former allies. You are surrounded by frenemies, pretenemies, and pal holes. Yes. You like that? Love it. So the first step is... We're going to talk about crew creation. Remember, briefly, for Blades in the Dark, you have both your character and then a crew, which is like a large... It's your gang. It's your larger meta character that everyone makes and plays together. And so we're going to go ahead and do that first. 
and do it on air. There are six types of crew. There are assassins, exactly what they sound like. Bravos, which are mercenaries and thugs. They're smashing grabs. They're fighters. They do extortion. There's a cult, which is exactly what it sounds like. There are hawkers. They're vice dealers, drug dealers. You find, sell, and move illegal goods. There are shadows, the thieves, and spies. You steal, do espionage, you break things. And then there are smugglers. Exactly what it sounds like. So why don't you guys talk together and uh, figure out what type of crew you'd like to be? Well, I don't know about all of you, but I always like a good heist. And I think shadows could be fun. I would also be interested in a cult, but that does not mean I'm against shadows. Cults could be very interesting. I'm not against shadows either. Although hawkers also spoke to me a bit. Man, they're all good. That's the problem. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, this is all too there's fun. So, much here. so one of the things that I want to point out as the GM in our one shot, we are definitely going to be doing a heist, but we can do a heist as any of these crews, right? Right. That's true. Yes. Do you just like the idea of being like thieves and spies and I do, but I also don't mind the idea of the other things. I think it. I think it'll be a question of like, how are we approaching this heist? Right? Are we being sneaky? Are we trying to acquire something that we are then going to sell, or are we like, you know, smashing our way in with some cult powers? I don't know. Right. right? Like, I feel like it's a matter of it's a it's a question of method more than it is what we'll actually be trying to achieve. Well, it'll be like a question of method and also of motivation. Yeah. Yeah. We could approach it this way. How do we think, for the purposes of this one shot, we would like to try and gain reputation as a as a crew right out of the gate? You know, I think shadows would be good. Yeah. Um, I have like, some character concepts that I was playing with, and they all could easily fit into a shadows crew. I think mine could as well. Ryan, do you have an opinion? Since this is for a one shot, uh, and we're going to do heist, we should go with shadows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do want to be clear, like, that makes the most sense, but you can literally make anything work, right? Um, We we could do a heist as any of these. Right. Each. I would love to do a heist as a cult searching for an artifact that we could use to support our dread god. Yeah, that's definitely um, what I was laying dormant. Like, if you had gone with the cult, you would just be stealing a different thing, and I would adjust that. Mm Mm-hmm. So every crew type gets two abilities automatically and then gets to choose two more from a large list. Uh, Have we settled on a shadow? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so your starting upgrades, the ones that you get for free, are you are all trained in prowess and you have a hidden lair. Those are your, your free upgrades as a shadow. And you guys now get to choose two more upgrades from the following list. You can do it, I believe, from the specific shadow upgrades if you want. The two that make sense as starting upgrades for shadows from their list is you could have two free load worth of tool or gear items. Or you could have underground maps and pass keys. You have easy passage through the underground canals, tunnels, and basements of the city. So you can choose from those two or the much more extensive list of the general crew upgrades, which are a boat house, you have a boat, a dock, 
and a small shack to store boating supplies, or a carriage house. You have a carriage, two goats to pull it, and a stable. P.S. Big goats are what this city uses to move things because horses are exorbitantly expensive. You could have a cohort, which is either a small gang of not great NPCs or a single expert NPC who works for you. You guys already automatically have the hidden lair. You can have mastery, which is your crew has access to master level training on the start. You could have quality, which will give improve the quality rating of your gear by one. You can take this multiple times. You can have quarters. If you do not have quarters, then you guys don't live at your secret base, which means your PCs have to sleep at home and are vulnerable there. You have a secure lair. Your lair has locks and traps and alarms. And you could have training in one of the major things in either Insight, Prowess, or Resolve. Vault is exactly what it sounds like. Or you can have a workshop to make weapons. So you can pick two from that list. My preference is the bunks. I forget what it's actually called. The quarters. The quarters and for underground maps and pass keys. I definitely think we need underground maps and pass keys. That's super sweet. So I definitely think we should take that one. It's going to make a lot of things a lot easier. Yep. So it sounds like we definitely want underground maps and pass keys. What do we want our second one to be? Right. I don't didn't mind thief rigging either. Like, I mean, the fact that you could carry extra tools with you. When I was fiddling around with the, the character sheet a little bit, that was the thing that I ran out of fairly quickly. So that wouldn't be useless. Oh, it'd be extremely useful. Yeah. yeah, but I do think like having a secure place to sleep is probably a good idea as well. That brings up the point, though, that strategically speaking, this is a one shot. If we were playing a campaign, I think quarters might be more important. But if we're metagaming a little bit and taking advantage of the framework that we know is available to us, do we think quarters will be more important for the game that we're about to play than thief game? Oh, no, I was, I'll admit, like, I was totally trying to think of it from a campaign standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're see, but now that you've said that out loud, Helen, Jared will find a way to make us regret <laughs> this choice. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm definitely not evil in the background, not me. He has not been making notes. Oh, well, Never. I mean, I'm fine with you guys doing either. I'm fine with you guys metagaming a little. Like, this is only a one-session thing. If we decided to ever do a campaign and start from the same point, I would let you make another choice. I think that there's definitely a distinction that can be drawn between metagaming once you're in play in ways that are unfun and metagaming ahead of time to make the most efficient use of your sheet for the time that you have. Well, I mean, that's part of the reason why we're discussing like what our setting is going to be before we start character creation, right? So that we can make characters that fit the story. Exactly. It's the yeah. purpose of session zero. Ta-da! Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like... I'll come I don't want to put words in, but it sounds like we want to go with the thief game. There's also the traps, although that would probably be a longer campaign idea too, but I did like the idea of having our lair be trapped just for the fun of it. Yeah, I also like the idea. I think thief breaking is going to be the most useful. It will be. I, oh, yeah. I agree. You know, Jared, you're just going to have to run a camp of this. <laughs> we're just going to have to do a whole campaign of this too. Unfortunately. We all have at yeah. least one night a week we're free Get still, right? <laughs> <laughs> My wife would divorce me if I started playing another night. Like, that's just, it's not even a joke. I'd be sleeping on one of your couches real fast. Okay, so moving on. Your initial reputation. What do the other gangs and people in your area think of you? 
So this is choose a single adjective to describe your reputation. They give a list that I will read in a second. That is what they recommend, but if you want to make your own, that's always possible. You earn experience whenever you bolster your crew's reputation. So whenever you do something that that lives up to your reputation. The eight that they give are ambitious, brutal, daring, honorable, professional, savvy, subtle, and strange. But if you guys want to come up with something that isn't on that list, feel free. Why don't you guys choose now? I like both professional and strange. I like them too, but professional I could see. Strange, I think we're going for a more... uh, More polished feel. Yeah. To be subtle. I mean, subtle would fit shadow very well, obviously. I think professional would be hard to know when I was like... Is this me being professional or is this me doing my profession? What if we just had business cards and we handed them out to people? That is not being professional. It's not being professional. No, it's whenever we steal things, we we use like business terms. We're going to circle back around to you about the painting. Yep, yep. Oh, we, give power, act- we give powerpoints about our strategies and you know, yeah okay an which one of us is a black belt you know six sigma we gotta wow, figure that out way um, to go good <laughs> reference okay so are we feeling subtle i am feeling subtle i'm never subtle but i can be subtle if i need to be i can get on board with subtle sure subtle works for me okay so now you guys have a tier zero layer so it's you know either very modest or abandoned they have six suggestions on what sort of place to start or you guys could make another one if you want a half sunken grotto in the city's maze like underground canals an abandoned watchtower the unassuming back rooms of a merchant shop a out of use rail car a rickety tin roofed shack or a small abandoned house at the end of a dark lane do any of those sound good? Do you guys want to come up? You guys are hidden, so so think you guys automatically have hidden. So think of a location that you guys would want to be in. Well, we're in Crow's Feet, and I'm trying to remember the details of Crow's Feet. It's very poor and ramshackle and cram-packed with these small businesses of that support the community. It's not the deepest slums, but it is not wealthy, right? What about under the eaves of a um, ancient but decrepit old manor? You know, we don't control the manor, but just we have a section of roof. The setting does say that there are standard living conditions are houses and apartments stacked on top of one another. The city is very vertical. The idea of a a once proud old manor house that has been abandoned and fallen into disrepair and having like the sides of it being kind of honeycombed with these uh, smaller places that have kind of stuck onto the side or been propped up by scaffolding and the city is consuming it slowly i think is neat so i, I like that i can idea. super work with that yeah i like that <laughs> that sounds great to me it sounds like we have our location someone's writing this down right i have a notebook and a notepad in front of me but i haven't written anything down i also point out that technically by the book we're doing things out of order because we the book wants you to make your characters first it does I think the reason is some of the things you pick here may give you additional points in traits. I think that's why they wanted that. I mean, so that is true. But also one of the most common things I saw in forums is that it's smoother if you do 
crew first. It, it definitely makes more like narrative sense. Like, let's talk about what the group wants to do. And then everyone talks about their specific characters. Yeah, yeah I that's, agree. That's what I wanted to do. So next is Hunting Grounds. I'm going to read a brief section of the book. Your crew is brand new, but you have chosen some small part of a district as your hunting grounds. This is the area that you usually target for your scores and you know it well. Your hunting grounds don't have to be in the same district as your lair. This area is small. It's only three or four city blocks, but it is still an intrusion on someone. The entire city is divided among larger, stronger factions. I've already talked to you about which factions have this area. You have three options. You can either pay off the other crew in the area, give them one of your two starting coin in exchange for giving you room to work. You may pay the faction both of your starting coin as a show of respect and you will gain plus one status with them. Or you can say, screw you guys, we deserve to be here and you can keep your hard earned money and take minus one status with that faction. Where would the four of you like your hunting ground to be and which of these would you like to do? Who is the faction? It'll be the Crows. They are a shadow of their former self, but they are still the most powerful crew in the, in the air. It's just instead of running the whole district, they run the neighboring few blocks. If we wanted to say that we are beginning perhaps with a slightly antagonistic relationship, we could also go with we are a splinter faction, formerly the Crows branching out, doing something on our own. That's what I kind of thought about you guys being. Like, you guys are a splinter. Okay. That, that was kind of what I imagined. So it's really what relationship do you want with the main organization? Do you want your parting to have been somewhat amicable as you gave them a bunch of money to buy yourself out? Or do you want it to be, screw you guys, we're taking our ball and going home. Uh, and we only have two coins. I'm, I feel like the paying them one coin is neutral, which is a fairly subtle approach to the relationship. You're correct. If we're going with our adjective here, I feel like we could have just kind of slipped out. Yeah. Coasted uh, on out I like there. that. In terms of like um, hunting grounds, are you like wondering like kind of flavor wise, what part, obviously we're kind of, vying for this place that is has a sort of vacuum of power you know as we're we're one of the, the splintering kind of factions but are we thinking about also like what the flavor of that place would be is that the question as yeah well, so or? so i have a suggestion on hunting ground but i can adjust my plans to make anything work my plan for hunting grounds was the working quarter of the crows the place where there are a lot of workshops and I mean, not high-end, right? But a lot of trade is being done. That was my instinct when I wasn't, you know, you just thinking about sort of what the setting would feel like, the kind of the trade mercantile area, since we're going to be in a more, I would assume, residential section based off of this mansion that we could kind of take our hunting somewhere where there's more business being done. Does that sound good to everybody? That seems wise. That works do you want to spend half of your initial coin on keeping the peace? Or do you want to start a fist fight? Fist fights aren't subtle, Jared. They're not, but... No, but stabbing people in the back when they come down your street <laughs> kind of is. I'm not saying we stab them in the back. I'm saying that maybe we file the axle of their carriage a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but we, 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 yeah. Which one, which one would you guys like to do? I am open. 
open to an antagonistic relationship. I will be excited to get to do that. I was just trying to think of our adjective. So I am happy to start off with an antagonistic relationship if that's what everybody else is feeling. It does sound like maybe folks are leaning towards subtle. So we can, I'm okay with considering subtle. And that does explain our other motivation in our first job is to make back the money because gave half of it to the crowd. Sure, I'm fine with that. One of the last things we need to do for our crew is your special ability. There is a list for shadows and you guys get to start with one of these. Everyone steals. Each PC may add plus one action rating to Prowl, Finesse, or Tinker up to a max rating of three. Ghost Echoes. From weird experience or occult ritual, all crew members gain the ability to see and interact with ghostly structures, streets, and objects within the echoes of Duskville that exists in the ghost field. I, I will throw out that there had been some question about playing a cult instead, and there are many opportunities to incorporate occult elements into our characters, even if we are playing. Yeah, I mean, you, taking ghost echoes is a great way to do it. You can be weird esoteric thieves, right? We can steal magical artifacts. So your third option is pack rats. Your lair is a jumble of stolen items. When you all roll to acquire an asset, take plus one die. You can have a patron. When you advance your tier, it costs half the coin it normally would. That's not very useful for a one-shot, but is a great ability. You can be second story people. When you execute a clandestine infiltration, you get plus one dice to the engagement roll. You could be slippery. When you roll your entanglements, roll twice and keep the one you want. When you reduce heat, on the crew, take plus one die. That's really powerful. And then there is synchronized. When you perform a group action, you may count multiple sixes from different roles as critical success. Wow. Yeah, it's really strong. Oh. That is the whole list. Which of those sounds good to you guys? I like synchronized and everyone steals. I liked both of those as well. Ghost yeah. Echoes yeah. is really fun for flavor. If I were getting to spend more time exploring the world, especially if this were longer, I feel like that could be really interesting. But I think in terms of mechanics and what's going to benefit us the most, Everyone Steals and Synchronize were both ones that jumped out at me. I definitely could use the Tinker from Everyone Steals. Yeah, I like it. What sounds good? Which do you Let's want? Do it seems like we got two choices. It does. Oh, golly. Because Synchronize does seem... Synchronize is... That's kind of It fits the character of our group. It does, and it. I feel like it will apply more frequently just because of group actions coming up more frequently. I really like Synchronized a lot. Yeah. Okay, Synchronized it is. So normally, this is when we would finish out crew creation by choosing a favorite contact. This is something that is only really going to come up in a longer game, and I want your favorite contact to be the start of our one-shot. So Fair enough. with your permission, I would say... Will you guys just leave that to my wily, skittery ways for now? Sure. I suppose we trust you. If we have to. Um, <laughs> I believe in you, Jared. I believe I appreciate it. Yes. You have our consent. There's one, one last thing for crew creation. When we took our upgrades, we didn't talk about how the factions played in oh, that. Oh, you're right. We did not. So one of our upgrades helped a faction which gave us a plus one status with them. And the other one screwed over another faction and we take a minus two status with them. I would say, and this is referring to sea frigging and underground maps and pass keys, right? Yes. I think that it would be great if we took the Atlas of the Underground from a different 
fracturing um, group of the crows. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sure, that sounds great. So you're suggesting that that's where we get our negative two status? Yes. Is that we stole the the underground plans one of our competitors? And I will go ahead. Oh, I will I go ahead and that. give you the name of one of those factions. That I think this is a great point for you to screw them over. One of the other splinter groups is the Broken Hollows. So let's say you stole the maps from them, and they hate you for it. Who did you use your thief rigging to help? Do you want it to be the crows, since you already spent one coin to keep it from being bad? I was thinking that. I was thinking that as well. I'm fine with it being someone else. Too. Even though we're not playing a long game, if our group is playing the long game, that taking plus one status with the crows makes a lot of sense if we want to eventually fill that power vacuum. Yeah. It could be that we use the thief rigging because the thief, the way that the power is designed, we were smuggling something through another territory on behalf of one of the lieutenants of the crows. Sounds great. In the course of the collapse of the group. Mm -hmm. Ryan, you were saying? So currently, as I understand the statuses, we have status plus one with the crows, and we have status minus two with the broken yep. hollows. They hate you. They hate yes. you good. <laughs> All that's left for us to do is character creation. Normally, what we would do is we would discuss as a group our character desires what roles people wanted to have and make sure that everyone carved out a niche and pitched their, you know, their character, their background, who they wanted to be, what class, or in this case, playbook they wanted. And then we would all go home and make our characters on our own slash with the GM's help and come back ready to go. That's how we would normally do it. What we're going to do tonight to show you all our process is we're going to have that discussion that we would normally have. And then we are going to have somebody make their character on air. And then we're going to wrap it up. So I'm just going to throw this out there and I will play referee as I need to. Let's hear what playbooks people are interested in, what character concepts people have, and, and let's kind of do this a little bit freeform. I, I knew can't. you were going to speak first, Helen. I Okay, so in my defense, you put my name first on the list. So I was just... I she was, was she was within player. her right. You were gonna speak first, even if I had put your name last. But we'll we'll so we can pretend whatever we want to pretend. Hey, I feel like I can be competition in that regard sometimes. Well, go ahead, Helen. I'm excited to hear what you too. have to say. Thank you, Miranda. You're welcome. So I had been thinking about the Whisper playbook. It sort of fits into some of the things that I frequently like to do. I like to uh, I like to play with the weird and the esoteric arcane stuff in settings um, when those things are available. Uh, and I, I, I really just also like the idea of bringing that element, particularly since it's such a large element of the setting. I like the idea of just bringing it into a game, you know, and trying to mix it with any other type of heist. And I think a whisper is, it's going to give me the opportunity to do some of the other stuff I was thinking, like have the wreck ability, but still also incorporate some ghosty stuff. So for those who don't remember from our episode, the whisper is the basic magic using playbook. It's described as the arcane adept and channeler. Important to note that everyone in Doskval is in some, in some fashion attuned or can attune to the ghost field. That is prevalent throughout the setting. It is expected because there are ghosts everywhere. It is a part of everyday life. 
the whisper, though, is still a specialist in that regard. And again, this is part of why they use the term playbook instead of class. Whatever your character is doing, the, the playbook that you choose, that is generally their specialty and how they approach things, but it is not the extent of their abilities. So every other playbook does have some opportunity to take things that will improve their connection to the ghost field of the supernatural in some way, but the whisper is the specialist in this regard. The playbooks are way more fluid and overlappy than classes in most games. They want everybody to be able to do a little bit of everything. And so it's choosing what your specialty is. Does anybody else want to be a whisper? Do we need to do some negotiating here? Or can Helen lay claim to that? If anyone else wants to be a whisper, speak now. I'm good. Nope. And I know nope. I know we're talking about laying claim to a thing, but I will also say that even though the playbooks can be very overlappy, there are definitely ways to play each of them independently. Some perhaps more than others, I would say, for instance, leech. It is very easy to play two very completely versatile. different leeches. Very easy. For sure. And I think it says explicitly in the rule book that having a like having a crew that is entirely one playbook is very possible and would work. I think that, you know, clearly variety is fun, but I do believe if I'm remembering correctly, that they have a line in there about how you can play, mm -hmm. you can overlap. So yeah. the negotiation in that regard is really more like, this is the sliver of that pie that I'm most interested in versus perhaps what somebody else would be most interested in. And that is exactly what I would have talked about had had that come up, which is why like, I meant negotiation instead of like, let's see who gets it. It's not like some games where you really have to split it up or you're going to be the same. We could have two whispers that are very different. Talk to us about your character concept a little bit about this whisper. What do you have in mind? One of my other ideas had also been a leech saboteur uh, an engineer and but I, I do kind of want to keep more on the occult side of that so thinking more as how can I bring those elements in mechanically fortunately I, I'd just be looking at abilities in this case or actions I guess if we were calling them actions so I'd, I'd be looking at which actions can I choose to help kind of round that out I would probably look at tinker I would probably look at wreck obviously as a whisper I think bread and butter is going to be in a tune sure. um, that is really what's going to set this one apart one of the options or not one of the options in each of the different playbooks they give some examples of how you might set your starting actions one of the op examples really that they give is the channeler so skirmish to wreck to tempest and that's how you would distribute some of your starting stuff whisper begins with one in the study action and two in the attune action and you know i may not go with channeler that may be too much of a combat side for what i'm thinking of i'm definitely thinking more of a solves technical and magical problems or destroys technical technical things with magical solutions. Do you have a idea of what you want to do temperament or personality wise? This is still in the formative stages, but probably analytical, calm and composed. These things being important when you are constantly hearing chatter from across the ghost field, being able to remain composed
exposed seems like an important character trait for someone in this position. But also, she makes poor decisions because if she didn't make poor decisions, she wouldn't be a scoundrel and she wouldn't also be a scoundrel who specifically goes looking for ghosts. So, you know. Have you given thought towards a specific vice? I was going to go with weird. Great. That's Seems great. <laughs> you can't just have... <laughs> That's just a, that's just a daily move. Yeah. I'm just going to go weird. No, I... Weird is my vice. <laughs> you can't just put in a list of potential options. Weird. Weird. And I'm not going to choose it. <laughs> okay, so who else has an idea of what they want to do. Who wants to go next? I have a fairly sure. clear idea of what I want to do. So I was really drawn to the Leech playbook. Part of that is because I have read a lot and, and have a lot of nerdy knowledge when it comes to like weird old pseudoscience and medicine. You know, the four humors, I talk about them on a daily basis and I'm not a weird uh, doctor in Dusk Falls. So just as a reminder, before we go further, the leech is mm-hmm. the engineer slash saboteur slash doctor. The physicer is one of the physical, one of the special abilities for the leech that allows you to tinker with bones, blood, and bodily humors and treat wounds. And so I would be the de facto buff to healing for the party in terms of mechanics. But in terms of character concept, I'm thinking plague doctor, ambiguous sort of cloaked plague mask, you know, figure who is sort of obsessed with, uh, with the body and with blood specifically and trying to figure out how the body works kind of like a machine. And in that regard, is part of the sort of old old way of looking at the body and the humors that is kind of contrary to the developing science Are of you the going to go with the idea we had talked about that your vice is blood and you are obsessed with blood? Yes. Sure. I'm obsessed with blood, so I'm a, a blood collector. So my vice is that uh, whenever possible, and I will put myself sometimes at risk of personal harm to try to collect blood samples from the bodies that we find or that we potentially have to dispatch of, specifically particular humoral balances and sort of analyzing the, the potentialities of different blood in the different people that we meet. So that's the vice for, for this character. Has anybody else thought about leech do we need to negotiate that pie so to speak or do folks other folks dreams lie in other areas i do have a leech that i came up with but uh it's very different sure at the same time i i think i'm probably going to go with my slide do you want to talk very briefly about your leech idea was even if you don't want to go with sure. it so so that we can illustrate yeah. how different they can be. He'd be a street magician. So essentially, he'd use the artificer special ability. He can craft stuff compared to a medic in a very Govlovian way. And really, his background was going to be that he was previously an important member of, the, of a Scovlin house and was learning magic tricks essentially because he was a bored noble. But because of the wars and such, he now has to do magic on street corners. Super sweet. Going back to Miranda, you've thought about Vice, we already talked about it, it's blood. Have you thought about personality-wise, other than being a humor-obsessed weirdo? Humor-obsessed weirdo is a fairly accurate description. Temperament-wise, so the name that I came up with right now is is Sanguine, and Sanguine is a particular, like, temperament that is of the four temperaments that are dominated by the four humors. This is my nerdy knowledge. People with that temperament tend to be a little bit more fiery and a little bit more passionate and a little bit more talkative and extroverted. And so I'm thinking that this weird sort of nerdy knowledge and sort of bizarre obsession is also constantly being talked 
talked about and analyzed to anyone who will listen. Not as serious or calm as Helen's character, but uh, fairly willing to divulge any of this weird nerdy blood information that anyone wants to listen to, and also fairly prideful. Very convinced that if they just had the time and the available resources, they would be able to fix pretty much any problem, and they just need access to the crow's domain and power, and then they'd be able to do it. Great. So, Ben, you had said that you were thinking about a slide. They are the subtle manipulators and spies. They are social experts. Yes. What were you thinking about? Going with kind of a theme in my character, this one's kind of a weird one. I wanted the character to be a mime. And the idea is that no one knows his voice. Only speaks when he's in disguise because his background is actually in military intelligence during the Unification War. He started off fighting for the Imperials, but at some point his vice stupor caught up with him, drinking drugs and everything, and he kind of forgot who he was supposed to be fighting for and why he was supposed to be fighting for them, and now he's just playing the game because, you know, his old check stopped clearing, so now he's finding someone new. So I love that character concept, but for doing a Let's Play, that seems really difficult. How are you going to talk and communicate next week? Oh, no, no. He's a mime in public. I'm sorry, I should have clarified yeah. that. Because, yeah, that'd be impossible. But with the crew, definitely not. Being a mime is a day job in a way that he can earn some legitimate coin on the street corners. Were you thinking of him as, like, a character of many voices, so everyone he talks to, he, like, uses a different voice? Is that kind of the idea? Yep. Great. That seems awesome. He's going to noble houses and performing, but of course he's also scoping them out and listening to the hot gossip of the, the courts. But of course, you know, he's just some dumb street mime, so no one really cares. Ryan, what were you thinking about playing? A spider? Ooh. Audric. He's an Akaros native, so he's from Duskfall. And he was a former Leviathan hunter. He went out on the, the ships and, and hunted the demon whales. And he came back different and changed. Quiet and serious. And he came back with a plan. For those who don't remember from our last episode, spiders are the devious masterminds. They are, they're the lead guy Kingpin. from Leverage. They're the kingpin. Yeah, they are. Go ahead, Ryan. Is there anything else you would like to say about your theoretical character? Unfortunately, most of the spider abilities are about downtime stuff, which is really cool. I like all of them. So I'm going to pick one that I will be able to use at game. I was thinking he keeps to himself. He, he helps everyone out. He like makes plans and plants things ahead of time to assist with, with our burglaries. But he's working towards something. And he hasn't told you what it is, but he has a plan. Super great. I really like that idea. Okay, so we're going to wrap up by having one of our people who, Miranda specifically, who has already put some thought Hi. into her character, do full character creation on air. This might be a little dry, but I'm going to keep us moving as quick as we can. I just want you to see the process that we do things and how we discuss. So step one for this game is choose a playbook. You've already done that. Your playbook is Leech. Leech. Next up is choose a heritage. There's a bunch listed or you can make your own. Which heritage did you think of your character as? I think that they're a tyke, is it, you say a tycheros? Tycheros is how I would pronounce that, yeah. We don't have yeah. a pronunciation guide for this game, which is a little unfortunate, but that's that's how I would read that. That's the one that I have, and I don't want to say too much about why, but just in case it comes up in the game itself, but that's where my, my heart is right now. 
That seems great. So the one thing I do want to say, I don't know if your people will know it. All of those of Taika Rossi heritage are from the far northern part of the Void Sea. And everyone there has some sort of telltale feature. Demonic tell. Yes. I do have one in mind. You don't Um, have to share it. You don't have to share it. It can come up in game. Okay, perfect. I would rather it come up in game, but I do have one in mind. That's part of why I chose it. Just to give the two examples that list in the book are like shark eyes or feathers instead of hair. Also, P.S. If I was making a character, it's absolutely what I went on to do too. It's freaking neat. Choose a background. (laughs) What background had you considered for your character? This is actually something I had a question about. So academic seems to be one that was primarily tied to the academy in Duskfall, but academic also just makes sense for what I'm imagining my character's kind of background to have been in terms of like, they definitely have had some kind of schooling. Whether or not they would have been able to make it into one of the academies in Duskfall, considering their heritage, I I don't know, but I think academic is probably the backstory that makes the most sense for their knowledge. So Duskwell Academy certainly allows in people who aren't from here. We can say that you came relatively young and managed to make it in. So that totally works. Then that was what I would imagine for them because they have a lot of specialized knowledge. The one that is for the alchemists was really appealing. So perhaps uh, some specialized alchemical knowledge. A student? Great, great. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. So this is one of the reasons that, like, even if you're doing it on your own, even the rest of the party who goes home and makes theirs not on air, people will check with me if they have questions. Like, are you okay with this? Does this make sense? Oh, yeah. And I will totally weigh in if there's something that's like, hey, I know that totally makes sense, but it kind of makes my story difficult. Can we do a different thing? Right? Yes. But that totally works for me. Next step assign four action dots. These are skills. And you are supposed to put one dot in any action that you feel reflects your heritage, one dot in any action that you feel reflects your background, and two more dots anywhere you please. Remember, max rating is two. Got it. So I think Leech starts off with two dots in Tinker and one dot in Wreck. The thing that reflects my background, I think, would be a tune. So I'm going to put a dot in a tune. And then that reflects... Or rather, uh, reflects my heritage, excuse me. And the thing that most reflects my background, I think, would be a dot in study, obviously, if I'm an academic. And then the other two dots, I think I want to put a second dot in study. Um, And I would love to, I think I want to put a dot in finesse, because I'm thinking of taking the special ability that would would help with that. I want to be able to do some finesse. Sure. So every playbook has a list of NPCs that your characters could know. Choose one from that list, or make your own if you have an idea, that is an extremely close friend, and pick one that is a rival. I'm happy with you making up some. I'm also happy with you telling me you want me to make it up for you or choosing anyone from that. Fantastic. I mean, I'm always open to more options, but I really actually enjoyed the the NPCs that were available from the book. I think the really close friend that I was thinking of having was Eckerd the Corpse Thief. I think that Sanguine would be very close to anyone who is interested in similar shady ways of acquiring knowledge of the body and information about blood, you know, know fairly fresh corpses would be something that she would appreciate a lot you and your creepy ass friends that seems great 
Yes, me and my creepy ass friends. And then I think the person who I'd have an antagonistic relationship with might be Jewel the Blood Dealer. Perhaps because of a falling out in the past. Perhaps because they were the person who got me addicted to this in the first place. Perhaps because this is a person who I have kind of a little bit of a rivalry with. I have a sense that that is a person that I would not have a positive relationship with. So those are the two the two that I think I would have the most connection with out of the list of NPCs. That seems awesome. I mean, like, I'm, I'm fine if people want to make up their own, but I do think the list they have is unusually evocative. They're yeah. really yeah. fun. Yeah, they're really, really generative. Like, I had already kind of been thinking about blood because of the, the doctor kind of angle of the leech, but when Jewel, a blood dealer, came in, like, that was part of what helped me create my vice for this So year. last thing, we need a name, an alias, and a few evocative words about how your character looks. Alias, we think, is sanguine. I think you've already decided that. Oh, yeah. So name and, and alias. I had an alias that I thought of as separate from the name Sanguine. Oh. I thought, but I could make that. I assumed that Sanguine well. was your alias. But if you want Sanguine to be your actual name and a different alias, that's fine. You come from the weird people of the North. You can totally have a name yeah. like Sanguine. You're a freak. Sanguine was the name. And then I think Syringe might be the alias. Just doubling nope. down on being a creep. That seems great. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess Miranda wins. I guess we can all go home. Just, <laughs> just really sticking to a Best. theme. Um, okay. Best name. I really, you know, you gotta make you get it's repetition. It makes the theme, you know. You gotta commit to an clearer. idea. Gotta really commit to a concept. I will say this about the people I play with, listeners. They're not a group for half measures. When they make a decision, <laughs> they tend to make the decision. Go all the way if you're yeah, going to go. Okay. Describe Sanguine's appearance for us in a few words. Unless you want to save it for a big dramatic reveal because of your tell. No. The tell, the tell you can save. The tell will, save. will not be. The tell will not be obvious from this Great. description. Sanguine is fairly slim and small in stature. Constantly cloaked, wears like heavy dark clothing. And their most obvious, like the first thing that you notice about them and the thing that is the most memorable about their appearance is the sort of stark leather plague mask that they wear on their face. And because of that plague mask and because of the fairly cloaked, ambiguous way in which they're dressed and how slim and small they are, it's really hard to gender them. And so they, they're fairly ambiguous gender-wise. And even their voice is sometimes hard to... Question. Are you using they, them pronouns? I am using they, them pronouns. Good to know. They don't correct anyone ever, but those are the pronouns that I would be using for them. The last thing, and I did this out of order, but I thought this might be the thing that prompted the most discussion, so I wanted to leave it till last. Each playbook has a bunch of special abilities to choose from, and you get to start with one. Choose a special ability from the Leech list. This was really hard when I was reading through them. There's a lot of really great options for Leech. I think it's already been said, but there's a lot of variety in this list of special abilities. Like if you go with Witch, it's gonna be entirely different from if you go with Alchemist. But I think Physiker is the one that I wanna go that with. That seems great. The one that allows me to tinker with blood and bones and bodily humors. Um, and then, you know, in terms of mechanics for this character, I'll, I'll be able to help the other players by giving them a plus one dice to their healing and treatment rolls. So one thing that I really love about this game is we just made a character on air in nine minutes. Yep. Making a character and making all the choices, even if you knew what you wanted to do with say another game that we know and enjoy exalted would be what at minimum 45 minutes if you were proficient with it i think you mean two weeks spread across three google sheets <laughs> and a powerpoint 
<laughs> yeah, you need like four spreadsheets to play that game. You, you but, and and at least two books. Well, you only need two books because you're playing a lunar. People who are playing a solar can get away with one book. Well, but I'm also referring Still. to the previous edition books that you're pulling lore from. That's fair. I do want to say one other ability from Leech before we wrap up because we're done. But my personal favorite Leech ability, and I know it doesn't fit your character concept, but I just love it. Venomous. Choose a drug or poison to yes. which you have become immune. I know. Dude, that tempted me so much. I wanted that so bad, but it just didn't fit. You can take a stress to secrete it through your skin, saliva, or exhale it as a vapor. How freaking cool is that? It's so cool. Yep. Yeah. If I were playing a leech, that is absolutely what I would do. I, I thought about it really hard, and I just, I knew that Physiker was the thing that I needed for this character. Physiker's cool. Physiker's really cool. I just wanted to share that one because I love it. It is fantastic. Big and excellent example of how you might use the leech as a combat build if you yep. wanted to move in that direction. You do, you do not have to play a hound or a cutter and do anything. Yeah, you can build a really it's effective true. leech who's combat-y. The only difference is like your free item that doesn't affect your load isn't really going to be weapons. So if you want weapons, you're going to have to eat into your load, but you can still totally do that effective. Or you have thief rigging. Well, thief rigging helps your load. I could be wrong about this, but the free equipment you get a blowgun and darts. Gets is yeah. the blowgun with dart and syringes. It's not going to be super. Yeah, good. I was thinking about like if you want to be, you know, a close combat character or something. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, I did take some bleed. For cutting open things. Useful for finding the blood. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, Ryan, why don't you do our... Wait, what? wait, wait. We forgot the most important thing. What is it? What is the name of our gang? Oh, uh, we did not oh, name no. our crew. I failed you. Oh. didn't name our crew. What's the name of our crew? <sighs> Whew. We almost completely failed this episode. I feel like I, I feel like I got to that part of I just spent it, finished spending four hours on the character customization loading screen, and then it asked me to name my character. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, wait. I just got the eyebrows the way that I wanted them. <laughs> so, what do we want to name this crew? Do we want to do we want to set out completely? apart from the crows or do we want to draw some common imagery for narrative purposes that's true we could do it with another bird theme are we setting out completely on our own or are we the spiritual successors of the true crow gang Ooh, we could be the magpies oh i love that there we go oh i love that so <sighs> much yeah Dang the magpies it, it is. Yeah. Dang, Ryan, Ryan speaks like no. twice Dang, in the Ryan. whole episode. And he's like, yo, I've been sitting here being quiet this whole time, thinking about what to name our crew. The rest of you forgot. <laughs> I've been thinking about the magpies. Wow. I absolutely adore that, Ryan. 100%. See, that, that's why I'm playing the spider. <laughs> <laughs> I have a plan, but I'm not going to tell okay, you what Ryan, it is. Okay, Ryan, why don't you read us out? Well, I'm Ryan, the pasty player. I'm Bendy. What page is that on? Player. I'm Helen, the surprise round player. And I'm Miranda, the, oh, I'm sorry, you go ahead, player. And I'm Jared, the unusually prepared game master. Together, we have been the Starting Equipment Podcast. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week as we do our one shot, as we do our first Let's Play. It's going to be exciting. Uh, also, Yay. Blades in the Dark, comma, forever. <laughs>